Ever wonder what a small, weird group of people discussing things like aliens, bizarre forced choices, hypothetical situations, and other odd circumstances might sound like? Welcome to Oddities, the podcast with your host, Mikey P. and Hey Ron, along with special guest. You are with Mikey P. And D. And you are joining us at Oddities, the podcast. Welcome back, guys. We are so happy to have you here. How are you all doing this evening? Doing good. Excellent job. Now, I'm very excited. We have a action-packed episode for you guys. Uh, before we get started, though, let me just go ahead and rifle through the, the, the normal humdrum. Um, follow us over here at Twitter. Uh, you can find us over at Oddities Pod. And we are also on Instagram, and you can find us at Oddities Podcast. And so we would love to have you guys join us and uh, follow us over there. We're always posting and trying to interact with the community. Uh, we do post some interesting tidbits for your, uh, for your review and for your, just your thoughts. See what you think that uh, if they're something credible or if they're just something that somebody threw up in the air and took a picture of. <laughs> <laughs> um, today's episode, I would like just to go ahead and start off right off the bat. Today's episode is being brought to you by a company called the sugar dragon and the sugar dragon is a candy uh candy company they have a lot of different things from new age candy like uh those really good japanese candies that we really like um going all the way back to uh the more traditional old school candies mm -hmm. uh you can find them at uh, the website is the sugardragon.com and feel free to go ahead and give them some love over at twitter you can find them at SugarDragon7, and that is over there at Twitter. Go ahead and give them some love. Everyone loves candy, right? Oh, especially me. Oh, yes, definitely. So, we're going to go ahead and go into this episode, and we are going to slide right in with the very first segment. The fun thing about this episode is we actually ran a poll to see what you, the listeners, were more interested in us discussing. And tonight's episode, the winner was Stargates. So with that being said, we are going... Uh, basically, what we're going to do is the, the, the episode name that I've decided to come up with was The Stargate Theory and The Stargates of Earth. So let's go ahead and roll right into the introduction for the Down the Rabbit Hole segment. Down the Rabbit Hole. Okay, welcome back, guys, and let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, I'm sure we've all at least saw the original Stargate movie versus some of the um, actual TV series sci-fi has put out, like, you know, the original Stargate SG-1. Stargate Atlantis. And um, Stargate Continuum, and there's the one there's, where they there's others. The ship. Yeah, there's others. There's others. But basically... Uh, for the most part, I think everyone really kind of has a working knowledge of what a Stargate is. It's some some sort of a gate or something portal. similar to a portal, what have you. Um, and the concept behind it is you activate it through some sort of technology, a ritual, something like that. And it opens up and there is a dimensional, potentially a dimensional doorway that could... 
I don't know. It could bring you, you all the way through. And you, you step through, be... and you're someplace else. You're um, in the land of the gods, in some yes. cases, as some as some beliefs would you know have. So that's the that's the general idea of what the Stargate is. Now, um, doing some research into this, I discovered something known as the Stargate theory. Are you familiar, D? Are you familiar with the Stargate theory? Um, I don't think I've actually heard a theory. I mean, <laughs> I've. I like watching the TV shows. I liked the movie, but I don't think I've actually heard that there was a theory theory on there. There actually is, apparently. And there's actually a number of people that are kind of getting behind it. And I just, as I went and as I delved into it, I really kind of found it very fascinating. So basically what the Stargate theory suggests is um, it really ties together a a civilization that goes all the way back to 3000 B.C., Uh To the modern, to the much more modern day Iraq War, and oh, wow. it's it's a it's a really wild conspiracy. Of course, it involves aliens, technology, and then that technology, I guess, being lost here through cataclysm. That's what it seems to be, anyway. Okay. And we're just now rediscovering this technology. Um, this particular theory has been made and, and has been made popular by uh, writers such as uh, Zachariah Sitchin and others like him as well. Um, and Sitchin, he's actually he's actually produced a number of books uh, based around uh, the Stargate theory. Um, it also pairs up with um, the Anunnaki. I'm sure you're familiar with the yes, Anunnaki. Okay. Yes. All right. So. What what Sitchin has basically proposed, among others like him, um, that the Stargate theory actually goes back to with the Sumerians who lived back in ancient Mesopotamia, right? Yes. Okay. Now that area, if, if you're if you're unfamiliar with ancient Mesopotamia, that area actually covers a, a, a some sort of a, some some portion of what is now modern day Iraq. Okay, mm-hmm. and that, I guess this is where the, the whole Iraqi war comes into play. And according to accepted mainstream archaeologists, from what I can find, the Sumerians were among the very first civilizations just to pop up around 3000 BC. That we can, we have solid evidence and proof that, yeah, they're one of the first civilizations that we've discovered, one of the oldest. Yes, yes. And they worship deities known as the Anunnaki. Yes. Now... I like this theory because I also do believe that this is probably more than likely the truth. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was suggested that the Anunnaki were not deities at all, but rather they are extraterrestrials. Um, If you look that up on Google, you're going to find lots of things in in regards to the Anunnaki being extraterrestrials. Okay. Um, Now the theory says that they have that they came and they created man or what have you. And, but they gifted man with some of their technology, which is why a lot of uh, ancient alien theorists believe that their particular society for the time period was as yeah, advanced as what it advanced. was. What's interesting to note, though, is, is that the Anunnaki, they don't appear just in the Sumerian traditions. They also appear in the uh, Akkadians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and um, a few others, actually, to be honest with you, you know? Right. Um, so... So there's that. Now, going back to um, Zachariah Sitchin, one of the books that he wrote, which was The Twelfth Planet, he claims that the Anunnaki actually hail from this undiscovered planet, Nibiru. Mm -hmm. Um, That was around 500,000 years ago. Wow. Okay, yeah. And 
as I stated, the Anunnaki created mankind, but they created us in order for us to mine gold for them. Right. And due to for due to events that took place here on Earth, they were forced to have to leave. And it's suggested that that time period when they were forced to have to leave was during when the Antarctic glaciers melted, creating the Great Flood, which mm-hmm. is also um, known as the Great Flood in the Bible. Yeah, we I know we saw something not too long ago where they were actually digging through the layers of the earth and you know how they can tell like with the shade and the different um, things that are seeped into the soil that they think that they actually found where the flood layer was for right. that region in that time period. Didn't that, didn't they call that the horizon line or something like that? Um, I can't I remember. Mean, that's, yeah, sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. <laughs> oh yeah. We need to start writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I do. Re- I, I do remember seeing that. So, but uh, part of what they were suggesting uh, as far as, of course, the bases that they had here on Earth, aside from the ones that were made out of stone, everything else got destroyed. Right. Um, the theory is, though, is that the tech- some of the technology, most notably the Stargates, not necessarily on purpose, but in haste, was left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when you look... Well, if you were passing through it and you were evacuating, you couldn't exactly take it with you if you're traveling through it. That is true. That is true. Um there is another individual by the name of Dr. Michael Sala. Um, this particular this particular guy had wrote an entire article based on this particular theory. So in the report, or at least in one report um, that he cites, it is suggested that a Stargate was actually discovered in the, uh, and I'm not going to pronounce this correct at all, but the uh, the Stargate was supposedly was discovered in the city of Nasariah, and that is located roughly at 370 kilometers southeast of Baghdad um, in the ancient city of Ur. Um, there is a massive temple there known as Ziggurat. And this article that he wrote came back from ni- uh, from 2003. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's just based around the uh, the discovery of the artifact. Uh, so the, he the thinks that they, he's saying that they found a stargate there. Yes, and he proposes that was the real reason, the the true reason for the Iraq War. It wasn't due to, yeah, it wasn't due to weapons of mass destruction, biological, chemical weapons, none of that stuff, but a actual, the discovery of an actual legitimate Stargate. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and he furthers this by stating that the Bush administration, uh, and this, this is actually quoting him now, that the he states that the Bush administration recognized that Hussein had some very, very valuable, revela- uh, relevant information concerning the ancient history of the planet. And um, Salah also went on and stated that either technology or text basically confirming this, and he was going to release this to the general public. He also goes on to state that that doesn't say that Hussein wasn't just a really shitty dude because of everything that he did do. But he is making the statement that this is why we invaded, this is why we really vilified him and went after him, and then ultimately you know what happened to right, him. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but down the road, since the time when Mr. Sala published that article, uh, what's interesting to note, though, is, is that numerous other individuals, as well as whistleblowers, actually came forward collaborating this theory, which wow. was... 
which is actually pretty cool, you know. And um, so he's he's not the only one saying that there was a freaking or is a Stargate there. That there's other people who are agreeing with him. Yes, and I'm gonna quote one more passage that uh, okay. Doctor Sala had, or that that he, that he did say. Essentially, and I quote: Essentially, more and more people are coming forward saying that they have been involved in these classified programs where these technologies are used quite regularly and that they are found all over the planet Hmm. iraq is just one place that they're found that's interesting that's um so he's kind of saying that it's not just in iran it's or iraq it's in they're in multiple countries it's all over the globe now one thing that when you dig further into this um Again, as with any of these theories and what have you, of course, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But this is one thing that is kind of, in my opinion, a smoking gun for this particular theory. This is one whistleblower by the name of Dan Burish. Um, This guy worked in the S-4 underground base as a microbiologist. Not only did he claim, not only does he have these claims, uh, as well as a whole slew of other types of claims. Oh wow! He was actually able to offer notarized documents and other forms of proof to back up these stories, as as oh. far as like where he worked, who he worked for. So um, this guy is like the Sala guy with oh they invaded just to get this Stargate and there's more Stargates everywhere. Burish is like, yes, that's true. Here are some documents and here's some other proof. He's not just talking out of his butt. He thinks he's got some actual evidence. Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. Now, let me give you just a quick list of some of the things that he made claims to. And I- I'll admit, these are kind of... Uh, Yes, they're controversial, but these are, to me anyway, I think these are very um, astounding claims to to a degree. Um, He shared stories of his work not only with the Stargates... Um, where he confirms the Stargates and that they that they that he worked with them. right wow. and that they do work. Oh wow! Yeah, but he also uh, tells stories about having direct contact with actual extraterrestrials. Ooh. Get this shit, mind melds with with some of them. Really, like like the Vulcan mind melds, or that's what I'm gonna go ahead and just assume. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and assume yes, Vulcan mind meld. Um, now this next one, I don't know. I, I don't know a damn thing about this one, so it's really piqued my interest now. I'm going to go ahead and do some research into it. This one, depending upon what I find out, this could be potentially a, uh, a show in itself. Something called the Ganesh Particle. Are you? Have you ever no, heard of that? No, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Me neither. And then there's other stories that he came forward about. Um, not only those, but he did openly state... That the, our government, the U.S. government, that they were at one point in in a dire struggle to capture these Sumerian stargates, which, according to him, and because of the work that he did, they eventually did. Oh huh, no shit! So we got a stargate. Appar- the heck are we using it for? Where are we going? Exactly, but from what this guy is saying as well, it's not just one that we may have in contact or have come in contact with and acquired. If we have more than one, then do they only go to one destination on the other side? Why would we need so many? That's, that's... To keep other people from getting them? Well, that, they're, in my opinion, I think they're in point, you know, is the issue there, you know? I mean, where do these things go? Because it's... It's kind of cool to think about it because let's just say for argument's sake, you open up one of these Stargates 
and you go. I mean, I, I'm assuming that they wouldn't just be like, "All right, go." You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to send a probe, just like they did in the show. But it would be interesting if they didn't do that. And let's say they go through a Stargate that was intended for some sort of a small ship of some kind, mm-hmm. and they pop out in the middle of space. Boop, in the vacuum of space. There you are. No, we, hopefully we'd be smart enough to send probes. I mean, we do all that. Ugh, I would hope so. <laughs> um, I like the way the SG-1, did. they just hit the little douche, 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 douche buttons, and there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting if that's how it works, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that it's not going to work like it's a rotary probably, phone. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> a little bit more complicated than that. Probably, probably. <laughs> now, here's something that's interesting, because besides the Sumerian stargates, um, alien theorists, like the ancient alien theorists, mm-hmm. uh, they also argue of other stargates or portals, which exist all around the world, and they give evidence of these. And I think it's really cool, because some of them, they actually have like legends that go along with them that mm-hmm. were actually recorded in history, so it's pretty cool. Um, but I think that most of it's like through megalithic structures of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that as of right now, in today's day and age, they're just etchings and carvings, you know. Um, but because of the fact that they, they do have written legends about them working at some point in time, I think we probably, I think we really lost the ability or and or the technology to operate them any longer, you know. So, I mean... I always like the idea of Stonehenge being something like that, but I think there's a, there's a good a- amount of evidence that says it wasn't, but it's still nice to think about and dream. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I do believe what they say, that they believe that Stonehenge actually was, which just is, um, you know, an astrological uh, observatory. Mm-hmm. Um, do I, Am I going to go ahead and say, though, that there was no other further purposes for that? Hell no, because nobody knows really what there was, the... Yeah, there was a lot of people who actually showed up to the Stonehenge and that other hinge. That the wooden they, hinge. Yeah, that they would start at one and make their way towards the other um, over a certain amount of period of time. They said a lot of people showed up for that event, so it had to have some other meaning to them than just, oh, the Sultis or what have you. Right, which is also interesting to think. I mean, because those the ones that were involved in the original Stonehenge, those were Druids, correct? They, they think, or there was theories that the Druids were the ones, but I don't know if they've proven for a fact who actually created Stonehenge. Probably not. It may not have been the Druids that created it, but I think that there was enough evidence to show that they had something to do with the use of it, though. Yeah, I think that they th- they thought that they were doing some sort of sacrifices because they found bones near a stone that they think was for that purpose. But For sacrificial? Yeah, I'm not... Sh- I haven't read up on it in a while, so I don't want to, like, misquote anything or, you know, misinform. So, by all means, feel free to do a quick Google search. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let me go ahead and give you i I'm going to just read off three of the locations um, as suggested by the ancient alienist, uh, alienist, ancient alien theorists as to which ones they believe. Uh, these all have some sort of a legend to go along with them too, which I think makes it even cooler to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the, uh, the Spanish pronunciation of it, um, but it's known as the Gate of the Gods. Porta de Heu... Marca? Hayu Marka? Hayu Marka? Or... Hayu Marka. Hayu we'll go Marka. with that. Okay, we'll go with that. Now, um, and here we go again. 
this one is located at Hayumarca in Peru. Peru. And this structure consists of two apparent stone archways. And it is said that one acted as a gateway to the land of the gods. Ooh, that's always interesting. Yes. Um, oddly enough, I would have assumed that something like this would have been discovered a lot sooner. But this one was discovered in 1996 by Jose Luis yeah, that... Delgado Manami. Yeah, that 1996, that's that's our... That's within our time period. Yeah, I would have thought that it, the discovery would have been. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, these archways are actually two archways, almost in uh, like a T-shape. Okay. Uh, the largest one measures 22 feet by 22 feet. What? what what's, going, what's going through that? The it's, heck did they have that big? Well, the smaller one only measures six and a half feet high in the middle of the base, which is more geared like towards person. us. Yeah. Now, legends state that the larger door, here's where your answer comes into. Oh. The the legends state that the larger door is for the gods themselves. Okay. So these are some pretty so big sons of bitches. That they sound like the giants. It could very well be. And then, of course, the smaller door is meant for the mortals to pass through. And according to some, through legend... Uh, some people did exactly just that. This is part that kind of like I I'm a little torn on. They they state that by doing so, they became immortal themselves and then lived and then were allowed to live among the gods. Right. I have a hard time only with that. Not saying that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that because who's to say that they were allowed to live among the gods in the first place? Maybe there's no way back. And that's why they never came back. Well, it's a legend, so I mean... I know, but I, I people, always like to try I to... guess maybe the people there just assumed that since they never came back, they just stayed with the gods. Whether you're living or dead, you're still with the gods. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> now, let me give you the story behind one of these particular legends. Um, this particular one tells about a mortal mm -hmm. passing through said doorway... But forever closing it to us, and the story goes that when the Spanish explorers arrived in Peru back in the 16th century, so 1500s, they were looting into, uh, in, Inca riches, and an Incan priest named Amaru Maru fled the temple that he was stationed at with some sort of a golden disc, which was known as the Key of the Gods of the Seven Rays. He grabbed his treasure and got the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, he, he pieced out real fast. Mm -hmm. um, now, according to this legend, he took said circle disc mm -hmm. to the gate where he was met by shaman who performed some sort of a ritual opening the smaller doorway where Maru vanished from Earth to the land of the gods. And interesting enough, archaeologists did happen to discover a small, <laughs> round indention in the rock on the right-hand column of the smaller doorway. And they said that they do believe that it would be able to cradle a small, round object perfectly. Oh, that's cool. So it kind of, yeah, it makes it a little believable. It does, it does. Now, when I looked further into that, I found two... I, they're identical stories, all right, like okay. versions of this, like as to what had happened. They're, they're the same. But the ending of them, I, fi I, I find two different endings. Okay. In one, this disc was actually kept by the shaman, and then, therefore, it's still here somewhere to be... Hidden. 
hit well it's probably or yeah. plundered by the conquistadors right so and then in the other version uh amaru took it with him through the gate now that gate is permanently sealed and there's no way to pick that lock <laughs> Exactly, exactly. At least not at our current level of technology, no. So, now let's move on to the, the next one that I thought okay. was really interesting as well. Um, this one is just simply uh, named The Ancient Stone Arrangement in Lake Michigan. Okay, yeah, I, I've heard of this. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, again, I figure... So, well, this one I can understand why it took so long for people to discover this one, because this one wasn't... It wasn't until 2007 that this site was actually discovered, and it was discovered by scientists uh, searching for the remains of shipwrecks. Yeah. And it, this arrangement of monolithic stones were found 40 feet below the surface of Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this, did, you know how they found them, though, right? Yes. Um, the oh, he was uh, um, oh, he was some kind of scientist. He was um. Well, what did he use though? Was oh, it... he, the art was he an archaeologist? And then he had a diver with him, and they were on the boat, and they were um, is it sonar that they put into the water? Yeah. Yes, and so they could see a um. A crude picture of oh, like the an outline. ocean, like an of, of what the ocean floor looked like, and they were looking for shipwrecks, and they came across these stones, and they're like, okay, well, let's look at them a little bit close, you know, a little bit more closely because they don't quite look like they naturally fell there or formed there or what. And I know the diver jumped in and he um, he explored it and he found some really interesting carvings on some of the stones down there. Yes, yes, they did. Um, let me go ahead and start by saying this. Um, when they further investigated the site... Um, Archaeologists believe, anyway, that this site dates back to around nine thousand years old. So that's 9, pretty. That's 000. pretty. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty old. That's pretty damn old, and uh, it has been dubbed. Believe it or not, this site has been dubbed as Michigan's equivalent of Stonehenge. See, I didn't think for some reason I wasn't thinking it was as big as Stonehenge, like as tall and all that crazy stuff. Well, see, I don't really know like the 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 magnitude of what this site actually is. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been able to find, um, you know, That's decisive. Right, because, yeah, because they're keeping it hidden. They don't want right, right. Yeah. Now, uh, the guy who discovered it, uh, professor, he he's a professor of underwater archaeology at Northwestern oh, okay. Michigan University. So he was an archaeologist. Yes, <laughs> okay, yes. Good. <laughs> And uh, his name is Mark Holly, and he had a colleague with him by the name of Brian Abbott. And he's the diver. Yes, yes. Because um, I know the uh, Mark Holly, I believe, he was the one that was on the boat, and he said that he himself had never dived down there, but um, Brian did. Brian was the one who actually went down there and saw some of the stuff. Yes, yes. And what it, one of the things that he that he speaks of that he saw was, as you stated earlier, a carving on one of these big stones, and it was a carving of a mastodon. Mm -hmm. Kicker to this, though, is, is that the mastodons is believed to have gone extinct 10,000 years ago. So that's, there's a thousand-year gap between how old they say that the site is right. to there's no way that, you know to, to having a carving of a mastodon that went down and extinct a thousand years prior sure. yeah, yeah there's no way that you know if the site's only nine thousand years old there's no way that these you know you see 
You see what I'm saying? Could you imagine if Harry Potter was and Universal was made completely out of stone, and then you know we had a catastrophe and like freaking five thousand years later down the road they discover it? They're gonna think that our civilization was because there's gonna be like all kinds of stuff in there that's not actual real life. Oh my god, they're gonna think that we had like magic, yeah, and things like that. Oh my god. They could be like, the magic is what probably destroyed them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, as you said earlier, though, the... the, No, you're good. You're good. Now, as you said earlier, the exact location is being kept secret. It's being kept secret on behest of many of the local Native American tribes. I don't know. See, I know the two men kept it secret, but I didn't know that um, there was Native American tribes involved in it. I didn't realize that they were asking him not to tell. Yes. And, um... What I think is interesting, though, is let's say, let's just move away from the Native Americans just for a moment. Um, a lot of the people, like, I guess, theorists in, in regarding this, because of the events that have taken place around this area, they believe that this structure is actually uh, some sort of a portal or a wormhole, and that is due to at least several bizarre disappearances that have happened within the general area. Huh. Some people are claiming that this is, this is almost like another type of Bermuda Triangle. Oh, I think I heard something about that. Like, uh, the Great Lakes had their own triangle or something. I, I don't really read up on it. Yeah. Um, let me give you a couple of examples of, of said disappearances. Uh, they get really, they get like, they get a little weird, you know? I'm looking over your shoulder at some of the notes and they're detailed. They're actually like names. Yeah, yeah. And well, years. Let's start with uh, one of the oldest ones that I found. Um, 1891, a schooner named Thomas Hume vanished without a trace, mm-hmm. uh, along with all seven of its crew members. Just totally gone. Wow, okay. Okay. Um, 1921, the, the Rosa Bell... Totally disappeared with its with its crew of eleven. Now here's the kicker to this one: the boat later on was found floating empty on the lake. All oh, so it's not like the ship sank and they just don't know what happened. Well, they actually found the. Here's thing. the interesting thing, though they they combed. I mean, the lake is huge. You know, yeah. Lake Michigan is huge, but um, from what I'm reading or what I read, they. Sent out a rescue party looking for the ship. They went all over looking, and there was no sign of this of this ship anywhere on the lake whatsoever. The initial reaction to it was the the the, the that it sank. Oh. Well, I'm getting this is what I, I get. I, I read a couple. I, this is why I didn't really include this, but since we're talking about it, I didn't include this in the information because it, it's contradicting information as to how long. Mm-hmm. It went from being missing to, oh, there it is. And it's like the same day, all the way up to three, four, five days. Oh, that it was so, missing? Yeah. So th- there's no real telling as exactly on how long that went. I-, I was not able to lock that down. But it did reappear eventually, and all 11 men gone. Wow. Yeah. The next one after that. 1937. This one happened on board the O.M. McFarland, and there was the captain of that ship was named Captain Donner. And on that on this particular night, he retires to his quarters, tired, and he left his second mate in charge. Three hours later, as as uh, told to do so, the second mate goes to wake the captain up, only to find that the captain's 
cabin door was locked. I guess that was a little bit weird or maybe not weird. I don't know. But trying to get the captain up, there's no answer at the door. No answer, no answer. And eventually, okay. they decided to go ahead and something was wrong. So okay. they went. They decided to go ahead and they breached the door. And when they got inside, he was gone. And what they discovered is is that everything was shut and locked on the inside, but the captain has just disappeared, just gone without a trace. So he couldn't have gotten out because everything was locked from on the inside. If he had left through something, then it would at least one thing would have been locked. Exactly, exactly. Huh. So that to me, that's a little that's a little strange. That that's a little uh, call for concern. Yeah. And then I'm going to go ahead and cite the last one that I came across. This one goes, this one ties right back around to the the Sumerian. So this is like another Stargate that is talked about. Um, But this one has a direct Bible quote to it. Okay. And it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, This one is known as the Ancient Sumerian Stargate at the Euphrates River. Okay. Uh, Two, two, um, there were two things that were found, uh, artifacts that were found. Euphrates, I'm sorry. Am yeah. I saying it correctly? No, you said it correctly. Did I say it correctly? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, but anyway, the uh, this is based around two art, uh, two artifacts that were found. Uh, the first one is a famous Sumerian seal, which shows a Sumerian god stepping through a portal into our world. Uh, what some people cite as being interesting about this artifact is, is that the god appears between two shimmering columns of water, and that seems to be on a staircase that is moving away in the opposite direction from the person viewing the seal. Now, I, I took a look at this, and I, I can kind of see what they're talking about. It it almost... I'm, I'm, I might find a picture and put it up. I'm going to find a picture of this, and I am going to go ahead and post it to Twitter. Um, so, all my listeners, at Oddities Pod, and I will show this one up on the... Um, I will show that one up on Twitter. To me, and I may be stretching this, but I can kind of see where the theory, where the, uh, the the theories are coming from. It does appear to me that this being, this god, is entering, walking up the steps or a ramp, maybe even entering what does look like a stargate. And I don't know necessarily if what they are depicting is. You know, as water is uh-huh. actually water. Well, it kind of looks. You know how they did it on you know SG One. It kind of looks like the um. It kind of looks like water. So I wonder if they took any um, inspiration from that. It is possible, but it. Yeah, you kind of sort of took it right out of my mouth as far oh, as sorry. what. No, 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 you're good. I mean, that's what it, that's you kind of sort of took it out of my mouth. You know, the words out of my mouth as far as what to me that it seemed like. I don't think that the the carver, I guess, um, would be able to depict that as right. well. You know, on, on a carving, and I think that using that what what people deem to be as water is a really to for that time period is the best way that they were into the best way they could compare, you know, yeah. Interpret it, you know, or or relay that information. Yeah. Um, so there's that and that's pretty cool. And then the other artifact discovered shows the, this one that we actually know who it is, shows the God Ninurta, who not only appears to be wearing some sort of a uh, like like a wristwatch. Oh, he got an Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what gen it is. <laughs> uh, but he is also depicted using a finger to press what seems to be like some sort of a button on the side of a gateway that he happens to be standing in. So is he dialing up his ride? He is calling. Et is calling, calling home. home. Yes. Um, now there's a. That's kind of cool though. That's neat. Yeah. Yes, it is kind of neat. Um, now, 
let's take this a step further. There's a there, there's a there's a lady named Elizabeth Vague. Um, she is the author of several books based around the ancient Sumerian gods. Okay. She theorizes that there is a Stargate in the Euphrates River, buried and lost to time under the ruins of the Mesopotamian city of Eridu. She also made the claim that the biblical verse in chapter nine of the book of Revelations speaks about this Stargate, which is kind of interesting because you wouldn't dun, dun. well you wouldn't really think that the Bible would be talking about aliens or anything, but everything is so cryptic. Oh, just <laughs> watch ancient aliens. All the Bible does is talk about aliens. What are you? Talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that is true too. Let me go ahead and read the uh, the passage though from the Bible, and this is what she is uh, this is what she is referring to when um, that the Bible is speaking in reality to a Stargate. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Okay. <laughs> then the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth, and it was given the key to the pit of the abyss. The star opened the pit of the abyss, and smoke rose out of it like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit. And out of the smoke, locusts descended on the earth. Who was the star that was opening up the abyss? That would probably be the key to the story gate. I know, but it said a star fell to earth. Were they talking about a ship or were they talking about a person because they handed the star the key to unlock it? That is true. I don't know. That is true, and I do not know. But here's one of the things that um, that... That Miss Vague argues, though. She says that while most scholars agree that the word abyss refers to some large body of water, in reality, what she's saying, though, is, is that if you look at the word abyss in the way that it's used in other ancient texts scattered around, it's actually more likely to have the meaning more akin to portal. No, oh, that's that's interesting. Yes. So I mean, again, you can you can look at you can look into that however you want. It's still very interesting. But so there, you know, and the Sumerians, like I said, that goes back to the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other portals, though, supposed portals that are you know around the world from different cultures, and they all have their own creation theories and stories and whatnot. Um, but a lot of it comes right back to the Anunnaki. Right. And. Um, I, I think just as an added point of interest, and in when we're t- talking and concerning about the Anunnaki, uh, they also go back to the Native American tribe of the Hopi Indians. Right, yeah, because I know that there's a theory that their, um, their Anunnaki could be the same as the other. Right, and basically what that was saying is, is that the Hopi, they credit their entire continuing existence of their entire civilization to who they consider to be their the creators of all life on this planet, uh, also known as the Ant People. Um, where the, how the Anunnaki come into that is because... It, we have to note that in the Babylonian sky god is named Anu, and the and the Babylonian sky god is an Anunnaki, and who happens to be named Anu. The Hopi word for ant, because remember how we said that uh, you know the ant people is what mm-hmm. they refer to them as. The Hopi word for ant is also Anu, and the Hopi root word Naki Anu Naki means friends. Thus. In, with the Hopi, the Anunnaki, or ant friends, as they have referred to them in numerous writings, not just as ant people, but ant friends, I believe that they are, in fact, as you said, as 
going right along with that theory that they are, in fact, the very same beings written about in the Sumerian Anunnaki, you know, the ones who came from Earth or to Earth from the heavens. There's, I know there's uh, Gary A. David, he writes a lot about that theory, and... Um, he also notes that they may there may there's even ties he can make connections back to Egypt and how um one of their pharaohs Akhenaten I think um had the body of a uh, a pharaoh ant and just a lot of other things that he ties into his theory I do remember reading that uh, they they mentioned the the short waist like the ants and then and then the uh the, head, the, the weird the head. Yes. Right, right, yes. right. I do remember reading that. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So there you have it. There, there's our, there's our initial findings on the Stargates. Um, we always recommend for everybody though, do your own research, look into it some more. But the Stargate apparently has a lot to do with the whole entire reasoning why we had the Iraq War in the first place because we we wanted that sweet sweet Stargate. time star traveling technology apparently. I had, see, yeah, I had never heard of that until you were doing research, and I um, was glancing over the outline of the episode. Yeah. I mean, I never knew that either myself. I, anytime that I looked at or read up anything regarding the Stargate, um, it was just about the technology, really. I mean, I never came across anything that had to do with, uh, you know, Iraq or the Middle East right, or anything yeah. like that. So it's really interesting. And then, of course, when, when Ancient Aliens came out, and as you were saying, they have on their shows a lot of different weird um theories that a lot of them do seem very plausible but one of the things that they touch upon a lot are other sorts of or types of stargates that exist out here too so i think that there is a good possibility that i'm going to go ahead and say yes i think that there is a good possibility that the stargate theory itself uh may just in fact hold a lot of merit behind it and because who's to say that 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 it didn't happen and you know with so many of the cultures having their own stargates of some sort or another not only that but have legends that go behind it of these things actually being used i i don't i think it would be unwise of us to just simply dismiss said claims because if the technology was lost or forgotten we're not going to ever know until if what they say to be you know it, what if what they say is true that they that that the creators especially the hopi had said this that the creators promised that they would return until that happens i mean they're, they're, right now everything is just theory yeah i really the stargate theory has always been like one of those things that you dream is true like you really hope that there's something out there that's similar to that, if not exact, just so you have more of a chance to come into contact with other life forms. Well, I mean, if you look at the Drake equation, it's it's going to be inevitable at some point in time. I just think I have this I have this weird theory that we, as an entire species, in our lifetimes, this generation right now, including mine and then this next generation that's here now, I think we're going to see it happen. I think full disclosure will either come willingly from the government's right, or or the extraterrestrials are going to be tired of waiting for that to happen and just show themselves. Because if they do it that way, then there's no way that the government's going to be able to, to you know, pretend that that's not happening. You know? I know a lot of people are going to freak out if they do that, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of people won't at the same time. I think a lot of people will be freaked by it. 
But I mean, I think as a whole, as as a species, I think we already have. I think we. I, I think that at least 80%, I would, I, and that may be bold to say, I think 80% of the world's population believe that, you know, we're not alone. We can't be. Right. I know that there's going to be certain religions that are... Going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that ever happens. So I can see them having a crisis of faith. That's what I meant. Like, people are going to freak out. Well, there are all those out there that say that aliens aren't actually aliens, that they're demons in disguise. But that's... Whole that, other episode. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, that's going to go ahead and do it for this particular episode here. Um, we would, I would like to go ahead and uh, give a plug, a shout-out for Princess Bella for doing a gracious retweet on this episode for us. Uh, give her some love. Follow her. You can find her at Twitter at EvilBella666. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, give her some love and go ahead and give her a shout-out and follow her. And other than that, do you have any? Uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add for this episode, D? Um, no, not really. Other than thank you for joining us again tonight, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And um, again, as always, we do greatly appreciate you. And feel free to follow us over at Twitter at you find us at Oddities Pod, Instagram we are at Oddities Podcast. And thank you for joining us. You all have a wonderful night, and it has been our pleasure to hopefully entertain and enlighten you. Have a good one. <laughs>